lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in Los Angeles. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. So today we're going to do something a little different and very exciting. This week, we are speaking with Rabbi Dr. Yosef Lin, who is the Dean of Students at Machon Yaakov, which is a yeshiva in Jerusalem for Balei Tshuva, men who became religious. He's been doing that for the past 15 years, and he holds a doctorate in human and organizational psychology from Toro, and he also earned a master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, which is actually where we first met uh, many years ago when I was studying law there. It seems like many years ago now. And um, he actually studied there under the founder of positive psychology himself, Dr. Martin Seligman. So he's very knowledgeable in both positive psychology and Torah. And hopefully you will get as much out of this conversation as I did. The focus of our conversation is Rabbi Lin's book, which he co-authored with Rabbi Jacobs called Not a Partnership, Why We Keep Getting Marriage Wrong and How We Can Get It Right. And I really found the conversation meaningful, not just for people who are married, but for all relationships, really. And the conversation really ignited in me a motivation to invest in my marriage and work on it and not just expect it to be great, but to actually make it great. So if you like what you hear, make sure to buy Not a Partnership, available on Amazon. I'm going to link to it below, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, Marilyn, yay. Thank you for agreeing to Hello. do this. Hello. <laughs> um, okay, this is really exciting. We go back to our days at Penn when I was studying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think that's when we met. Um, when I was studying, yeah. you were getting your master's in positive psychology. Oh my gosh, long time ago. Long time ago. It feels like a really long time ago. <laughs> but, um, and I definitely want to get into like your background and how it's kind of influenced the book, but I just kind of want to like set the foundation. Um, so if you could just tell me like, just to start, like what inspired you to, to write this book with Rabbi Jacobs? So basically where, where this book came from is like this, is that we never had a desire to write a book. It was never like a dream of ours or a hope of ours. And what we saw is that, you know, just through our, through the students that we were teaching, we just saw that we were dealing with so many successful people who were so prepared for so many different parts of their life, especially their professional, you know, desires and what they wanted to achieve, you know, with this school and this law school and this internship and everything was like, and, and when you asked them what the most important thing that they were going for, they would say, you know, that marriage and to build that family with someone. And we felt that the thing that they were, you know, that their highest priority was actually the place they were the least prepared for. Yeah. And what has happened over the past 16 years of, of, of basic of where we work at Machon Yaakov since we've been open is that we have found ourselves teaching just nonstop to some of the best and brightest, just the fundamentals of marriage. Wow. And, and not just me, not just was a great marriage look like, but how do you get there? Mm. And at some point what happened was, you know, so a student of ours said to us, you've got to put this into a book. This is information <laughs> that is not just good for Jews, it's for everyone. 
Yeah. And you should write it in a way which can, you know, it be, everyone can relate to. So really that's kind of, that was kind of the, the push. Nice. And it was instead of, you know, when we wrote the book, we didn't have to like create new information. It was basically putting the old information together. And then we wrote it in a way that Jews, non-Jews, doesn't matter what race or religion you are a part of, this book um, is catered towards anyone who is looking to, you know, take a relationship to that next level. That's really beautiful because unfortunately I feel like that marriage is the most important thing or like your relationship and, and people are so unprepared and they're, you're not given tools. Like they don't teach you this stuff in school. So you can go to like college and law school and do all these things. But at the end of the day, it's like so fundamental to your happiness in life. And people just don't, I mean, at least me, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So you just kind of jump in and like hope for the best. And it's, it's not probably not the best uh, recipe for success. So definitely, definitely not the best recipe. <laughs> we see people who are, we see people who are very successful in their life in many areas, but when it comes to their personal lives, especially their marriages, things fall apart quite fast. Yeah. And unfortunately, we live in a world where, I don't know where it comes from, we just assume that if we meet the right person, then everything is going to go amazing in that area. Yeah. And so that's just an assumption that so many very smart people have. Yeah, because you fall in love and, and you're like in that infatuation stage and you just assume it's going to last. You know, you're, you're not like prepared for like what happens when it, <laughs> when it crashes, you know? Um, okay, so so going into, I went into marriage feeling marriage very much was a partnership. Speak, you know, speaking to the title of your book, marriage is not a partnership. And you know, right. I looked at my parents who kind of were very like maybe modern, but like my dad helped cook and clean, and you know, it really seemed like a partnership. So I'm curious if I would like you to tell me, you know, where what am I missing here, and what are most people missing when it comes to marriage? So I'll tell you this: is that. A, a, a spoiler alert is like this, is that marriage is really the ultimate partnership. However, many, you know, it's actually quite interesting. We did a lot of research. Most business partnerships fall apart very fast. Mm. They just, and what happens a lot of times is that when we look at a partnership, we look at these are the things that I'm doing. These are the things that you're doing. And what happens in a lot of partnerships a lot of times is what happens is one partner begins to say, hey, listen, you're not carrying your weight. You're not doing what you said you would do. Mm. And then poof, the thing falls apart. Mm. And so when you look at the regular definition of a partnership, that is the exact opposite of what a marriage is. Yeah. Uh, and a marriage has to be something which is very different from that. And, you know, when we describe, people ask, so what, how do you define what a marriage is? Okay. So the way we define what a marriage is, is a marriage is my commitment 100% to give my spouse the life that she wants to invest in her well-being, to do everything I can to empower her, to commit to being by her side when things go rough. And that is a total investment in someone else having the life that they want. Mm. And my wife is also committing that same thing to me. And when you have two people that look at it that way, so that is way beyond the regular definition of what a partnership is. Mm. Right. Cause it's not like, okay, you're going to do the cooking and the cleaning. And I think this is how most people view Orthodox homes, especially like the woman's going to do the cooking and the cleaning. The man's going to learn Torah and work, whatever it is. And, and that's what it is. But it's like, no, like you're saying something very universal. Like you're each focused, each partner is supposed to be focused on the other one's well being first. And if each partner is putting the other one first and they're committed to that as the goal, that's, that's really the point. 
even more than that, I, when I look at my wife, my job is to figure out what can I do to give her the life that she wants? Mm. How can I go out of my way to empower her, to care for her, to be there for her, to help her well-being? Mm. I mean, I, I, that, that is my proactive mission of how I'm going to look at my marriage. And she's looking at it the same way. That's beautiful. You have two people where that's your mindset. So now you have something special. Yeah, that's very unique. I think especially because we live in such a selfish society <laughs> and we're, we're born. Oh selfish. my gosh. Yeah. We're born selfish. So it's just like, what can you do for me? And I feel like this is why we see so much divorce because one of the reasons, because people are just like, okay, it's not working for me anymore. Like you're not giving me what I thought you would. Like the partnership thing you were saying. The, right. the partnership, partnership dynamic. And, yeah. and, and, people, and people unfortunately back out very fast and they hope it's going to be different some in, you know, in the next relationship. And usually they find, you know what? It's not much different. <laughs> right. Right. Cause you fall into the same right. dynamic. That's not, so you that's got it. So, so is that the main message of the book then that that's, that is the goal of maybe you could just walk us through the book a little bit, just so people can get an idea. So I'll, I'll take this. Um, I'll tell you that. Let me, let me give you kind of the main point of the book. Okay. Yeah, the way book. we look at the book is if you were, you know, when you went to Emory, right. Or you went to Penn law school, so we look at the book as basically the prerequisite to other marriage books. I mean, there are amazing marriage books out there, Jewish books, non-Jewish books, you name it. Right. What we try and do is our book is really kind of a prerequisite to all those books because our book deals with two fundamental questions. And we really tried to see if other books out there had dealt with this and we didn't see it. So we really inspired us to write our book, which is two things. Number one, how do you define what a marriage is? Mm-hmm. And number two, what's the PDF manual of how a marriage can actually become great? Mm. That is what the book does. And it really deals with these two questions head on. And then, you know, when, once you have those huge ideas clear, now you can start to sprinkle on all the other amazing marriage books that are out there. Mm. The book that we wrote is, is divided into two parts. The first part gives you fundamental paradigms of how to look at marriage. Okay. which we find that people often don't have clear. And the second part is all practical as far as, okay, great. I heard your paradigms, practically speaking, how do I make it happen? Nice. And the whole second part is that. And as far as, you know, the book is really this fusion between Judaism and positive psychology. So a lot of the theoretical work in the first part of the book is built off of fundamental Jewish ideas about marriage and relationships. And the practical part is really built around the field of positive psychology. That's, that's like the perfect segue because my next question was going to be like, how do positive psychology and Torah influence the book? But um, yeah, I guess maybe if you want to speak a little bit to, to how those two things, maybe a little more specifically influence your thinking and in, in terms of marriage and relationships. So I, you know, the field of like, positive psychology is something that I was drawn to tremendously because what I saw was that the way that Judaism says how a person should develop and what life should look like, I found a, a field of psychology that was saying the exact same thing. And, you know, what's interesting, when I went to the world of positive psychology, I wasn't looking for the depth or the deeper meaning. I was looking for a way, you know, of, of, of certain ideas because I felt I got those very clear from Judaism and from Torah. Yeah. But what I was so drawn to in the world of positive psychology is they were dealing with so many practical tools that ran parallel to these deep, you know, philosophical ways that I was trying to live my life and, and, I, and ideas I was teaching my students. Wow. So the field of psychology and Judaism, I, I find are, are an amazing kind of 
blend. Um, and what positive psychology adds is just a whole practical extension to so many of the ideals and so many of the values that Judaism is built on. That's so that's what we tried to build, put together in the book. Um, but, you know, the book was really, the, the book really in our minds is, is, is built off of Jewish ideas and the positive psychology is there just to give us some practical extensions practical as far as how to bring these ideas out. Um, I just want, I definitely, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I just want to quickly ask, can you give a quick definition of positive psychology? Because I think it's like a cool, like, phrase but maybe a lot of people don't know exactly what it refers to so the basic definition is positive psychology is the science of where things are going right okay huh? most psychology functions in a disease model meaning okay where are the issues let's fix them hmm. positive psychology says okay that's important but let's first start with where are things going right and how can we make more of that Building and so positive psychology is really focused on that and um and the field is really taking off that's so cool. Um, yeah, because like marriages, for instance, like hopefully when people get married, things aren't so broken. I mean, like they start off pretty good. And then it's just kind of like building on the strengths that, you know, brought these people together in the first place. <laughs> that's really if, cool. If, if, people, if people work hard to do it. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. what happens a lot of times is, again, we have this expectation. And again, where it comes from, we can talk about that. It's a nice philosophical discussion, but we have this expectation that, you know, when I find that right person, it's not only to go perfect, but it'll only get better. Right. And right. then very soon at the things, people are very disappointed. Yeah. Well, I think I was, I was going to ask you about Hollywood and how that kind of like leads to people's expectations going into marriage. And I know it shaped mine just as, as somebody who grew up in America, secular and consuming all of that uh, culture. And so I'm, I'm assuming like Hollywood plays a big role in that because there's always the happily ever after. And, and it's like, okay, they met and now it's going to be great and their lives are going to be great. And that's always where the story ends. It never shows you kind of like what happens after, after the marriage. So. Right. I mean, one, one of the things we say in the book so clearly, and, and, I, and I, I probably say this the most to my students is that great marriages are built. They don't just happen. Right. And what you see in the world of Hollywood is you see just, you know, the couple meets, it's passionate, they they ride off into the sunset, the whole, you know, all the way these movies end, right. which is amazing, inspiring. But the reality is, is that where does a marriage actually begin? The next day when they wake up. Yeah. When the credits are rolling, that's when now, okay, you wanted something called marriage? Great, let's make it happen. Yeah. And and it's very hard because the world of Hollywood. You know, there's also, there's also another thing which, which you know, there, there are many reasons what makes marriage difficult. But, you know, one of the things that's difficult as well is that, you know, the world of social media. And, you know, let's say, you know, let's take, for example, let's something like, you know, Instagram. Yeah. You know, you're seeing the best of the best of people's lives. Yeah, it's the worst. And, you know, and, <laughs> and that's a very difficult thing. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the world of technology. And I think social media has a lot of powerful kind of, it, it can be very powerful if used correctly. But one of the things that it does in a, in a very strong way is that, and there's a whole theory called social comparisons theory, mm -hmm. which actually is, speaks about this, but it can have a huge you know, impact. And all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, hundreds of marriages around you of people who seem to be happy and everything's exciting and there's lots of passion and there's great energy and people look a certain way. It's like, whoa. Yeah. It's, it's that like, can be very overwhelming. 
Yes, that's. A, I'm very glad you pointed that out because it's very true. Especially, I think women are probably more on Instagram. I don't know, men are on too, but I'm saying looking at right, like you, you know, you'll look at other couples and how they're and how they look and everything's so perfect and they're so happy and then you're like, then you feel even worse about your own life, <laughs> but you're not seeing it's, what's going on really off the off the phone. So it's yeah, yeah it's very challenging. For sure. It's very, it's very and you're not, and listen, in the world of, you know, let's say in the world of Instagram, you're seeing not just the couple, you're seeing their home and you're seeing their kids yeah. and you're seeing their morning routine. You're seeing the new bed they got and you're seeing a new dining room. It's like, you're seeing, you're, you know, social media is bringing us more and more into the, you know, the small details of each other's lives. Yeah. And it, it yes. can be very, very overwhelming in that sense that you look around your own life and you're saying, whoa, I'm not happy here. Wow. But, but it sounds like you're saying that if we have the right tools and if we have the right mindset, then we can really create a beautiful marriage regardless of our, of our circumstances. And, and hopefully Listen, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that great marriages can happen. And there are tools out there of how to get there. Right. But, you know, you got to, if, if, if a person does it right, and these are some of the ideas we speak about in our book, that you can really make it amazing and you can make it that, you, it should be that as you're as you get older in your marriage that the everything goes up things get better and if, yeah, if like a one. person if a person does it properly it can actually happen so right so you speak about this idea of it's all about me which i'm assuming is kind of making each partner really like responsible responsible for their, themselves and their own actions and putting in the work to the marriage and um, maybe you can elaborate a bit on that but i kind of want i was thinking like what if one or both partners come from a home where like it's an, it was unhealthy, like maybe not totally dysfunctional, but you know, you didn't see gratitude. You didn't see um, the, the partners really putting each other first. You didn't have a good example of a marriage. You know, you saw bad behavior. And so most likely you're, you internalize that behavior and you're now repeating your own marriage. I think a lot of people struggle with this like vicious cycle. Um, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on this. So I'll take this is that, it for sure is an issue. And, you know, people ask me, you know, they say like, are you a marriage therapist? Are you, you know, do you have a clinic? Do you, I consider myself, I'm in the world of marriage education. And what I feel very much is that if people come from a certain background, you come from a divorced home, you come from a home where even though they stayed married, there was a lot of strain and stress. It doesn't mean you're doomed or anything even close. Okay. You may have to invest more time in the world of number one, marriage education, meaning learning what does a great marriage look like. You may have to spend some time to realizing how those things impacted you and therefore how it could carry over into your marriage. But I, I, don't, I don't see it in any way, nor would I, would, I, would, I, would I, I think a person would lose hope if they thought they didn't have a chance. I think, you know, I, I've seen, I look at some of the great marriages that I look up to and I can't tell you that, oh, those great marriages are, you know, are only with people who came from a certain home and a certain background. It doesn't matter. It doesn't work that way. Even if you're like that way. mentally ill parent or just whatever, whatever drama or baggage you bring to the table, it doesn't make a difference. If you, listen, if you take ownership over it, and you say that, you know what, I want to make my marriage amazing. And therefore, number one, I'm going to spend time in the world of marriage education. Like, you know, it's, it's fascinating. You know, for my, for my professional life, I'm always, you know, reading and, and going to this new seminar and, and listening to this podcast. 
you know, the world of marriage education, like how can it be that married couples are trying to make their marriage amazing, but where are the books? Where are the podcasts? Where are the yeah. seminars? Where are the weekend retreats? Where are the, you got to be immersed in the world of marriage education, not just before you get married, but even once you're in it, if you mm-hmm. want to get better at it. Yeah, it makes And number sense. two, you're taking responsibility to say, well, you know, I grew up in a home where, you know, I, this was an issue between, you know, myself and my mother. And therefore I know that I could probably carry over to how I treat my spouse. And I'm going to work on that. I'm going to get therapy. I'm going to read these books. I'm going to go to the support group. I'm going to, yeah. And, and it really comes down to how hard are you willing to work to make it happen? Yeah. Because I guess at the end of the day, maybe people don't, they don't, they don't necessarily know what the benefit of a, of a long-term marriage is, you know, like sometimes it could just feel like it's not attainable and, and the grass is greener and I'm just going to, God forbid, jump ship or whatever it is. But like, but I, I remember this paradigm from Rabbi Akiva Tetz. He talks about the initial inspiration and how you have an initial inspiration, then it kind of fades and you have to like build it up again on your own. And then you achieve like a real love, like a real, um, something you've internalized for yourself. So maybe is like that the sort of thing that can kind of like keep us going this idea that we're going to like achieve like a real love, a deeper love with our partner after we've done this work to kind of build up the marriage. Listen, we, we all know, you know, exactly what Rabbi Tatz is, is, is discussing. And we bring that point exactly in the book from Rabbi Tatz. Yeah, um, no, cause it's such a good paradigm. It's so true. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think that, you know, the, listen, everything works in life that way, that there's a period of inspiration and then things fade away. And now something has to actually, through hard work, has to be built. Yeah. But we all know very clearly, when do we really feel the happiest is when we actually work hard towards something and we achieve something. Yeah. And, and even though your marriage was great and exciting and fun and fresh in the beginning, and we can speak about that later, yeah. Yeah, I where leave. your marriage can get to, where your marriage can get to is, is to such an amazing place where you really have someone in your life who is someone who you're going to be with through thick and thin, build a family together, and really have this ultimate relationship with that will carry you throughout your entire existence. That is a possibility. And there are people out there that do have it. And, you know, it's interesting. There's no one, I don't care what race or religion you're a part of, no one goes into a marriage with the hopes that this is going to be a short term gig <laughs> right no one knows they're not it's no. be great for the next year <laughs> everyone goes in it with the desire that they wants to work out yeah so the question is okay how do you make that work out yeah if you're hoping it's going to work out just by the natural flow of things well you know we don't have to i don't have to be a physics major to realize the fact that everything yeah. breaks down at a certain point and things you know decay hello yeah. That's a natural state that you have to keep yeah. making things. Um, so kind of leading into what you're alluding to with like keeping it fresh. So like, okay, so people are in love, they get married and then, you know, like they're, they feel like they're not as much in love. Like how do, I think that's very normal. Like when you have kids and responsibilities and like real life takes over. So like, how do you kind of keep it fresh? I know like date night's a big thing that people talk about, but I'm curious to hear if you have any other insight. So, so I think like this is that, um, you know, we speak about this a lot in, in the book and keeping it fresh is extremely important. And there are lots of practical things that can be done in order to make this happen. But again, they're going to require work. Okay. And there are things you can do and I'll give you two examples. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, like you just mentioned, a date night. Okay. It should be that if you've committed to be married, 
it should be that once a week, some point midweek, that you and your you and your husband, you and your wife, wherever it is, is that you have committed that you know what, you're you're going to spend three to four hours together doing something nice. Okay, you're gonna show up to that experience well rested, with your phone off, looking good, and you are going to invest in each other. It doesn't have to be the fanciest schmanciest evening. It doesn't have to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a gorgeous dinner. But isn't once once a week you're investing in that relationship and nothing gets in the way of that. Okay. Nothing gets in the way of that. Obviously, if there are emergencies that come up, yes. But as a part of your schedule, that nothing gets in the way and we stick to it. And I know couples that 10, 15, 20 years into it, that night doesn't get touched. And when couples make an effort for each other in that manner, where they go out of their way to, to, to really make something special once a week, that creates a certain energy, okay? Yeah. The second thing we speak about is the world of vacations, okay? Now, vacations are usually super expensive, yeah. not realistic, and they never happen. Yeah. So I could be waiting for, you know, when my wife and I finally get to, you know, Thailand, yeah. it's going to be amazing. It's not happening. Right, it's not happening. Maybe in ten years it'll happen. The kids are out of the house, this and that. Not happening. But what we have found something is, and, and this is actually quite amazing. Something called the mini vacation. Oh. And the mini vacation, the way we describe it is, you know, let's say you have a couple that works in the city together. That, you know, regular Tuesday night, once every few months, what do they do? Go out for dinner in the city, stay in some hotel in the city. Next morning, back to work. And and what they have, what, you know, what what's been what's been found in a lot of the research is that people gain a lot more from small, consistent, frequent vacations rather than just that one big trip that never really happens or happens every five years. Wow! And okay. again, that's another thing of a couple doing something to go out of their way to create a certain energy in their marriage. All of a sudden, you do that. And there's a certain energy that comes in, which is, whoa, this is what it used to be like. And that that spills over to now what the regular weekday interactions are like. Yeah, that's amazing. What happens a lot of times is, uh, you know, we put effort in so many places in our life nonstop from how we look to how we act to what we're trying to, you know, succeed at. And then unfortunately, when it comes to our private lives, we don't do those same things. Yeah. If we put the same effort that we do in our public lives into our private lives, marriages would look very different today. Yeah, it's so true. I know. Because I think like, for instance, like sometimes I'll get dressed to go out. But then when I'm home, like I'm like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, but like it should be the opposite. Like I should care what I look like at home as, at least as much as when I go out. Just as, as an okay. example. Obviously, there has to be a certain reality that you are at home. People need to yeah. relax, but 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 you're you're right. When people really go out of their way, you know, we we have to realize that so many things that we do that we we just say, oh, it doesn't really matter. You know what? After a period of time, it actually does matter because then you find people that are in their marriages with a few children. And they say, whoa, what is going on here? Yeah. And it's a very frustrating, and especially as you walk around in today's world either, you know, physically or, you know, in a digital world. Yeah. And you look around, you see everyone else seem to be like, whoa, things look great. That's hard. It's very hard. It's, and, and even more, it's a very lonely world. Mm. 
because people are just constantly looking around, but they're at other people's lives, but they're not necessarily having meaningful, real connection in their own lives. Yeah. And when, and when, when, you, when, you, and when your marriage isn't, you know, what people, it's a fascinating thing is that, you know, people think that either my marriage is, is, is really great or it's just, oh, it's okay. It's fine. When your marriage is okay or fine, it's actually not just okay or fine. It's actually pretty miserable. Yeah. When right. you're spending it, your entire existence with someone, when you're raising <laughs> a family with someone and it's not going well with that person, don't think that you're, don't, don't fool yourself and think, well, okay, it's just, it's, it's fine. It's okay. It's actually a bit worse than that. It means like red light emergency. You need to invest <laughs> in your marriage. <laughs> yeah, because, because, and, and, and it's really, it's really sad. You know, I've seen, I've seen some situations where like, you know, you see this amazing couple get married and they don't put the right work and effort into it. And what could have been amazing falls apart really fast. Wow. Do you think, does it have to do with having kids complicating things or just in general, they're just not investing the work or they don't, they just don't have the tools. They don't. Listen, life gets busier, whether yeah. it's kids, whether it's work, whether it's financial stress, it's going to get busier. So the busier it gets, the more you have to fight in order to make your marriage amazing. Yeah. As a person make a marriage amazing? Okay, so there are many things that can be done. But the most important thing is that it has, it's, a proactive, it's a proactive engagement in your marriage that's going to make it happen. Right. What you may need, that'd be something different. You know, right. each, cu- each couple may need something different. But right. we speak about that in the book as far as what are the main things that every marriage needs out there in order to make it come alive. Come alive. So, so somebody going into marriage, like what would you recommend to people going into marriage um, in terms of setting their expectations and kind of um, like having tools or knowing, knowing what they need to do to, to make their marriage, like not only last, but like thrive. So I would say, you know, I, I think that, that going into marriage, I think that the greatest thing people can do is invest time and energy into understanding what a marriage is. Marriage Don't is go into it blind. Right. And if people start putting time and effort into realizing that, whoa, okay, I want this to be amazing. And therefore, let me invest, you know, some of my effort right now. Let me read more. Let me go to this podcast. Let's do some premarital work. There's so many resources out there that are so helpful yeah. that can really kind of give people like amazing tools to go into this thing and make it amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank God I've been part of Sarah Yohabed Riggler's um, Kesher Wife Club. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, it's really amazing. It's like a once a week um, Musarabad, like group of women who work on themselves, but it's focused on marriage. And I've been in it for like five years, like since we got married. So it's been over five years. And I mean, I joined it right away once we got married, but thank God it's giving me a lot of tools in terms of, um, and when I use the tools, <laughs> that's the trick using the tools. Um, it's been, I see like how beneficial it is. And, and my husband doesn't have to do anything different. It's just, it's just work that I'm doing and it makes such a difference. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, there is definitely a lot out there. It's just like having the will. Yeah. And, and again, if you, if you really want it, it's out there and available, but I think that, you know, just in general, that there, there's so many tools. If we make those tools a priority in our life, we will see our marriages will change very fast. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, okay, this is amazing. Um, okay, I was gonna ask like two other little quick questions, just like out of personal interest. Um, okay, the first is if somebody, um, like say your spouse loves to talk about politics, <laughs> but like you like have like a certain threshold, 
this is not personal at all. Um, so like, how, like, what do you do? Cause you don't want to shut the person down, but you want to be respectful. And I think respect is also like a really big thing that maybe gets overlooked, but, um, or for instance, like on date night, should you allow your spouse to, to go off on politics? Like, even though that per doesn't personally engage you, or should you just say like, no politics, no talking about like mundane things We're like anything, like anything else is on the table. Mm -hmm. So I think like this, as far as a date night is concerned, I think it's gotta be something which is enjoyable for both of you. Yeah. Okay. And I would, I would try and, you know, figure out topics you want to speak about or games you want to play, or, you know, it could even be just funny things you want to discuss. Like I think, but it should be something which is enjoyable to both of you. I think that, listen, in a healthy marriage, people have things, different things that they are, you know, interested in or, or want to know more about. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, in a healthy marriage, you know, I know my own wife. She has a certain threshold to hear about certain things from me. But at some point she says, okay, enough. I can't hear anymore. <laughs> and, you know, and she'll say like, okay, conversation's over. You know, find a friend, find someone. So okay. I think that, you know, in any healthy marriage, you, you're going to want to be supportive and a listening ear to those things that even may not interest you. But yeah. I don't think you have to all of a sudden be as excited or as passionate about that topic. Oh. Okay, that's very helpful. Um, and then the other thing I was asked is like, obviously couples will disagree and have arguments, but like, what should that look like? Like, is there ever healthy fighting? And if so, what does that look like? So I'll tell you this. Um, what I always tell people is that when you're in a fight, there's only one thing you should be thinking about. The only thing you should be thinking about when you're in a fight is how can I get out of this fight as fast as possible? Mm, so because nothing ever positive will happen in the fight. Mm. However, okay, and this is important, is that things do need to be discussed and things that are maybe tense. Yeah. All communication, okay, all communication, especially about difficult things, comes down to two things. If you get these two things right, you'll find you can speak about almost anything in your marriage. And not only will we be able to speak about it, but we all know that after you have a difficult conversation with your spouse and it goes well, even though it's difficult, it can bring you that much closer. Yeah. The two things are number one is timing. And number two is how you say it. Mm. Okay. Number one timing is people a lot of times get stuck in the world of urgency. We got to talk about it right now. Okay. There are very few things in your marriage you ever have to speak about right now. Again, I've committed to marry my wife from now until, <laughs> you know, the next God willing numerous years, There's nothing urgent. And we get so stuck that things have to be discussed right now. And sometimes it's not the right time for me. It's not the right time for her. It's not the right time. Who knows what this person is in the middle of a big project. This home is dealing with a stressful child. Who knows what people are usually highly mediocre when it comes to timing. Okay. Okay. What you'll find is if you push that conversation off till the right time, maybe it's during a date night. Maybe it's a time when the kids aren't around. Maybe it's a time it's a good vibe. Yeah. And now you talk about it. Whoa. Amazing. Game changer. And especially you're a bit removed from the emotional kind of heat of the actual moment. Number two is how you say it. Do you speak in some sort of attacking type of voice? Do you have, you know, body language and, you know, your, you know, uh, a vibe about you, which is frustrated and angry. You know, it's fascinating. In the world of communication, there's a great debate that when a person communicates, 
it's actually only they, they say like either seven or eight percent of your communication are the words you say. Everything else is the body language, the vibe, the tone of voice. And so how do you say it? Do you say things in an attacking way? And so all of a sudden you start speaking like that. We all are professionals of being able to put up our guard. Yeah. So the second thing is how you say it. You say things in the right way with in a loving tone. You say things in the language of we. You say things in the language of understanding. All of a sudden, whoa. Yeah. When you have to talk about difficult things in your marriage, the greatest advice I can give you is if you can answer yes to these two questions, which is number one, is this the right time? And number two, am I saying it the right way? Go for it. And you see that difficult conversations make, allows your relationship to become closer. Yeah. If you can't say yes to both those two questions, it's not worth it because you're only going to end up in a worse off place after that conversation because it most likely will not go well. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's hard for me sometimes when, I, when I'm really upset to hold it, you know, and like wait to speak about it because I, I want to just like say what, what's upsetting me. But like sometimes you can work it out on your own and then it's not even such a big deal and you can kind of just let it go. But like some, right, I always find if I act on it when I'm really upset, it never goes well. And I also find that like when I'm like very snappy <laughs> or like not so nice, um, my husband just immediately shuts down. Like it doesn't go anywhere. There's no point. It's just, it's just bad. Right. So you would think I would have uh, learned the lesson by now, but um, right. bad habits can be hard to break. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying work in progress. So we're all, all of us are working, and that's okay. It's okay. The question it's is, what, you, what are you doing? Press. Exactly. Right. Right. Where's <laughs> right. Like what are you actively working on? Exactly. Correct. Um, amazing. Wow. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Robin. Um, yes, thank you so much. Amazing. Yeah.